Hello, my name is Kira and I am the Bonfire Bruja. Thank you for joining me this week as we get into another conversation about witchcraft, magic, and invoking your personal power. I'm going to go get the fire lit, take a seat, relax, and just remember that you are responsible for the energy that you bring here today. Welcome back to the Bonfire Bruja podcast. I am your witch hostess. My name is Kira. For those of you who are not familiar with me, welcome. I greatly appreciate you joining us this week. This week, oh, um, I wanted to tackle a subject that was a little kind of difficult for me just because of some of the things that have been going on in my world and that subject is the subject of death and I know it's I feel like it's especially important to discuss it now because of all the things that we have dealt with as people due to COVID-19 there has been so much loss and with that, you know, it, sometimes your personal feelings on the afterlife or what could be come into question, and it's come into question for me, especially recently. But I will, um, I'll touch on that in a little bit and explain to you why I decided to do this episode. So let's start at the beginning. The first thing is that, let's see, let's dive into the gods and goddesses of death and the afterlife. As we all know, there are some witches and brujas that actually do use deities. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. Um, Deities in their worship. So let's uh, give the um the pantheons their due and discuss some of the um some of the gods and goddesses that actually aren't talked about that much because death has a tendency to quite honestly scare the crap out of people so let's just face it head on the first god i would like to discuss is actually the god anubis from egypt for those who are unfamiliar anubis is the god who is half man half jackal the black dog which is very uh, specific due to the fact that jackals are actually known to eat rotting flesh if uh, a person is not properly buried. Because of that, Anubis is actually the god of mummification and death, as well as fair burial and judgment. Anubis's job was to take the newly departed and bring them to the other side bring them into the afterlife to see if they are judged as being worthy enough to enter or uh, not. From there, we have the Greek goddess Demeter, which seems a little bit odd, especially because Demeter was known as the goddess of grain and harvest. But for those of you who do know your Greek mythology, you know that Demeter's daughter Persephone went to the underworld with Hades. And I'm saying went because I'm very hesitant to say that she was forcibly taken or spirited away against her wishes. 
there are a couple of versions of the myth where Demeter or Persephone went willingly with Hades, but that is a whole nother episode that we can get into. But because Demeter's, the goddess Demeter's daughter Persephone did go to the underworld and consumed pomegranate seeds while she was there, that means Persephone spends half of her year in the underworld and half of the year on Earth. Because of this Demeter, when Persephone goes to the underworld, Demeter kills all the crops and leaves the Earth as basically a barren wasteland. This is in short, how the Greeks explained the seasons. When Persephone is up with her mother, Demeter, on Earth, everything's green, everything is lush, there's, um, everything's fruitful. When Persephone goes to the underworld, that is when everything becomes barren due to uh, Demeter's sadness. Not to be missed, we head to the Norse mythology and Freya, who was the goddess of fertility, abundance, war, and battled. Um, and here's the interesting thing. I've always heard of, in Norse mythology, of Valhalla. And I'll just actually discuss Valhalla in a second. But I didn't realize that there was actually a secondary afterlife for soldiers and those who died in battle. And... This is actually under Freya's jurisdiction, and it's called Volk, Folkvanger, F-O-L-K-V-A-N-G-R. So to my understanding, there is Valhalla, which is under the purview of the god Odin, and then you have Folk, Folkvanger, I'm really hoping I'm not butchering this, Folkvanger, in which Freya rules. And so if you are a soldier who passes in battle, half of you go to Valhalla, the other half go to Folkvanger um, with Freya. Then we jump back into Greek mythology, and of course we cannot talk about the underworld unless we talk about Hades, who is the god of the underworld and ruler of the dead, but he's actually not the god of the dead. That is That honor belongs to... Oh, Dang it, where is it? Um, there's actually two Greek gods of death. The first one is Than um, Thanatos, and he is the god of nonviolent death, who usually appears as a bearded old man with wings or a beardless youth. And Thanatos actually literally translates to Greek in death. He is the one who transports the dead and the dying to the underworld to be ruled by Hades. Staying in Greece, we actually come to Hecate, or Hecate, or Hecate, depending on which pronunciation you're using. But I say Hecate. I'm, I know I'm going to get a lot of grief for that. Um, who is the most famous of the Greek goddesses due to the fact that Hecate is the goddess of the witches. She is also associated with the moon, Cronehood. And the underworld as well. She is the one who is connected to the ghost and the spirit world. She is the one that you call upon for those. In modern paganism, she is known as the gatekeeper between our world and the spirit world. And she's known to be a protector of the vulnerable. 
because she's the, she's the one who exacts revenge on those who would harm those who are vulnerable so she's not doing it for the sake of love she's pretty much doing it for the sake of vengeance so she is considered kind of the go-between deity um i know that there is a lot of hecate based worship within witchcraft i am not a deity based witch but i do see the appeal of calling to Hecate uh, when needed. We're going to go, let's see, uh, back to the Norse goddess who is Hel, H-E-L. She is the goddess ruler of the underworld. Uh, she is the one who takes in the mortals who have passed of natural causes or sickness and she is actually the daughter of Loki. Uh, for those who don't know who Loki is, Loki is the Norse god of mischief. Very prominently featured in the Thor movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in case you have been blissfully unaware, that is who she is. And she actually runs... Oh god, I'm going to screw this up. Ele... Hold on. Ele... Junior, Junior, and I'm putting a Spanish accent on it, and I really shouldn't be. It is E L I J U O N I R. If someone can tell me how to pronounce that correctly, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, Hell's appearance is that of a goddess with the bones on the outside of her body, but I didn't really find an explanation for that. And for the record, there's a lot of these gods and goddesses, so this is going to take a minute, guys. Next, we move on to Meng Po, who is a Chinese goddess in charge of making sure that mortals forget their previous life when they go to be reincarnated to the next life. And what she does is she appears as like a little old lady, uh, someone like your grandmother or, you know, the kindly little neighbor on the down the street um meng po offers you a, a specific tea that helps you forget your previous life as you move on uh since a lot of chinese cultures do believe in reincarnation and then of course we have morgan uh the celtic goddess also known as the phantom queen but she's also seen as a singular goddess, or she can appear as a trio of sisters. The trio of sisters being Neiman, which is frenzy in battle, Badby, which is the crow, and Macha of sovereignty. Now, Morgan is known as the washer of the fjord and determines whether soldiers walk from the battlefield or they are carried off on their shields into the afterlife. So she is pretty much a decider of fate as far as um, as far as battle and combat and war goes. So I would almost say that she could be a war goddess as well, but she's a decider of the fate. Usually uh, Morgan is shown as a representation with a trio of ravens. And later she was actually morphed into the leader of the Ban Seed 
or the Banshee, uh, which is very popular in Irish and Celtic folklore um, for, uh, for seeing death and being a, warn uh, a warning of death, especially to specific clans. There's an absolute myriad of folklore regarding the Banshee, and um, one of those folklores is that there's certain banshees there's multiple and certain ones are assigned to certain families uh, and certain clans within ireland and the celtic um anthology which i thought was actually fairly interesting i didn't realize that morgan had been so heavily associated with the banshee from morgan we go to osiris another egyptian god who was murdered by his brother set and then was later resurrected by his lover, the goddess Iris. Um, Osiris appears in a lot of um, Egyptian cartouches and Egyptian um, mural paintings, wearing the pharaonic crown, which is known as the atef, and also with the hook and flail, which is used in the funeral acts. Those are representative of the shepherds. And I know that those gods and goddesses are actually fairly familiar to us because they're, it, there's a lot of Greek and Celtic and Egyptian mythology that's very known to us in the modern age, which is great. But I wanted to make sure that I included some of the kind of lesser known gods and goddesses, A, to do them justice, and B, just as an opportunity to learn more about world cultures. So the first one that I actually didn't even know existed is from the Maori tribes. And this god is named Wuro, who is the underworld god who inspires people to do evil things. He occasionally appears as a lizard and inspire he inspires people to do evil things so he can um consume the bodies of those who die and gain more power. I, I told you, this is, we went morbid this week. Um, so Wuro um, gains power from eating the bodies who die. So that's why cremation was put into place amongst the more Maori tribes in order to not give him power. The next god on our list is actually the Hindu god Yama. Yama, according to Hindu mythology um, and lore, is the first mortal to die and was appointed king of the underworld since he was the first one to arrive there. Then we go into Canaanite lore, and there is a god there called Death, or Mat. Wow. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm powering my way through. So Mat in Canaanite lore uh, is doubt, death, infertility, and the underworld, and was primarily uh, celebrated in the Phoenician and the um, Ugarit um, cultures. Then there is Adro, who is from African culture and lore. And here's the thing. I know there's separate sects of African cultures, and there's certain provinces that um, had different... Um, adherences or deities and this one didn't say where what region of africa um adro was from it was just that it was 
he was an African god. So I didn't get much information on him, but I want to relay uh, what I did get. Adro is one aspect of the supreme god. So Adro is the evil side and Adroa is the benevolent side and each half is one whole body. So Adro is responsible for human matters on earth and is invisible but will take on different forms and has been known to possess young women to cause illness and death. And actually, I am going to be highlighting Adro because I really want to learn more about him because he seems fairly unique. But from Adro, we jump back to the Egyptians and go to Sekhmet. I hope I'm saying that right. Sekhmet is the god of death, retribution, and destruction. uh, Impredictable in nature, uh, neither good nor evil, which I thought was interesting. But those who disobeyed Sekhmet, my apologies, it is a goddess. Uh, Those who disobeyed Sekhmet usually ended up having a plague or just horrifying repeated bad luck or were subject uh, to diseases. From there, we see the Slavic god uh, named Kronobog, C-R-N-O-B-O-G, Kronobog, Kronobog, we'll figure that out. This means dark master or black god, also known by the name Sert Zernobog or Chernobog, and Chernobog Kronobog um, was the god of evil, darkness, and everything unfortunate, um, highly feared due to his mysterious nature, and was the ruler of chaos, night, winter, and um, basically the was the one who generated all the evils on Earth. The Serb, uh, Siberians, my apologies, had Elric, which was, who appears as the image close to a totem bear and i am saying that verbatim this is the ruler of the underworld judge of the dead and of darkness and was so feared and so disavowed that he was actually banished to the ninth layer of the underworld and i actually find that fairly interesting because of the fact that i am a huge fan of dante uh dante alerhi's divine comedy for those of you who have not read the book, it's broken into three parts. There's Inferno, um, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. In Inferno, Dante Alerhi goes on this journey through the nine circles of hell. And in each circle is a sin and sinners are punished according to the sin that they had. Now, the reason I find this with Elric very interesting is due to the fact that this is the only other time I am seeing a mention of the nine layers of hell or the nine layers under the earth or in the underworld that's outside of Dante's more modern 14th century reference. So I was kind of wondering if maybe that that was where Dante had picked that up. From Siberia, we go to, back to the Hindu practices and Shiva. Shiva is one god, um, is many aspects of one god. 
goddess. This is the goddess of death and destruction and held in extreme high regard, although not seen as evil. Shiva actually puts the world into the life cycles that we know. So the beginnings and the ends, the destructions and the peace, the circles of life. Shiva is, um, according to Hindu aspects, very much seen as responsible for those. From Hindu, we actually jump to Inuit uh, with Sedna. Now, Sedna is the goddess of the sea, maritime animals, and the underworld. And if she is not properly worshipped, she will uh, usually unleashes wrath and starvation. I do have three other gods and goddesses. There is Kodalikyu, which is Aztec. Uh, we have the Persian god Ariman, which is the ancient equivalent to Satan. And then in Hindu, we do have Kali, which is the goddess of death, who is the uh, most feared of the warriors, uh, rescuer of women in danger as well. So I thought they were fairly fascinating, especially taking into consideration the fact that every culture around the world has an explanation or has an idea of who's responsible for death and who's responsible for the care of those that have passed on beyond us. And I wanted to go into at least, there's three variations of the underworld that I actually wanted to discuss. Um, and these are the more popular. The first is in Greek and Roman mythology, we have the Elysian Fields, also known as Elysium and the Elysian Plains. This is the paradise of heroes on whom the gods bestow immortality. So think Achilles. Think of the, you could say Odysseus. Um, you can possibly say Paris of Troy, although that reference is fairly shaky for those who know the myth. Elysium is for the mortals here on earth who were so heroic and so amazing that the gods felt that they needed their own place to become immortal. According to the poet Homer, Elysian, the Elysian fields or Elysium is on the banks of Oceanus. Um, later on, Virgil describes it uh, as a portion of Hades. And if you read Dante's Inferno, um, Elysium is technically like the outer skirts into hell. And it is where everybody who was born and died heroically or legendarily um, prior to Christ being around um that's where they go to await the final rapture if you listen to christian mythology but if you're like me it's another beautiful story 
But the belief of the uh, Elysium is actually retained from Minoan myths. Mino uh, Minoa is an island near Greece. If you're not aware. Um, sorry, guys. I'm really struggling with this one. Then we have Valhalla. And Valhalla is the Norse hall of fallen soldiers under the care of the Norse god Odin. It is roofed with shields. And the soldiers there feast on freshly slaughtered boar until Ragnarok, which is the Norse doomsday, where they will fight at Odin's side. <sighs> Getting a little choked up now because Valhalla holds a special place for me more so than the Elysium Fields because I know that there's a lot of American soldiers that when someone passes they say till Valhalla <clears throat> so I'm going to be very straightforward with you guys I know that two weeks ago I posted a fairly cryptic Instagram message about needing peace or protecting my peace. Unfortunately, two weeks ago today, I lost somebody who I considered a big brother and a mentor to me. And not only did I lose him, but obviously his family lost him and by no exaggeration hundreds of people who knew him are feeling this loss and I debated if I even wanted to talk about this because I felt it was selfish in a way to um, mention it but I also wanted to honor him so today we had an episode on death because the only way out is through. And so instead of shying away from this conversation, I decided to face it head on. So, sorry guys, I'm really trying. So with that said, I wanted to take a look at the different beliefs around the world to see how different cultures and different places dealt with something that unfortunately has been fairly common in all of our lives recently as a way to heal. Obviously, I'm not doing a very good job because I'm tearing up right now. But, I mean, I guess it's a good place to start to talk. And if you have 
lost someone recently, it's okay. Whatever you're feeling right now, it's okay. There's no judgment with me. There is no shame to any of this. You are going to feel the way you feel. And you're going to process everything the way you process it. And it's going to take time. Don't let anyone tell you that you should be over it already. Thankfully, those around me haven't said that. But um, I know that there's people in this world who are like, why haven't you gotten over this yet? Listen, there's no time stamp on any of this. So be strong and just remember now you have someone or multiple people standing over your shoulder as guardian angels or ancestors and we can honor them we can do a dumb stuffer put their pictures on the table and leave a plate for them. Add pic their picture to the ancestor altar. And be... Damn it. Be happy for the time that you had with them. And eventually, we'll be able to look back and smile. Every time they cross our mind. With that, I'm going to say good night. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. And I'll talk to you soon. Do you want to be more involved in the Bonfire Bruja community? Go over to Instagram and find me, Bonfire underscore Bruja, B-R-U-J-A. Or you can head on over to my website, bonfirebruja.com.